0: Welcome to the Che and Pav podcast experience.
1: Listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. We talk casually yet poignantly about the most relevant topics in teaching today.
0: So come on and chat with us because we love to engage in great conversation.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the Staff Room Podcast. Today, our focus is learning skills. Are they creating competence or are they creating colonial compliance? Hmm, this is a very interesting one and it's going to be a another great Deep dive conversation, uh, and so we are—we're not going to waste very much time. We're going to dive right into that. So I should probably introduce myself before we begin. My name is Pav, Wonder Woman Wander, and I am joined by my co-host, who is sitting next to me. But if you listen to the Staff Room podcast, you probably know that I'm not going to introduce him. He does that himself.
0: Stop! Look up in the sky. Hmm. It's a bird. Oh. It's a plane. It's the Staff Room Podcast, and I am one half, and by one half, I mean 15% Uh of the academic powerhouse, which is the Staff Room Podcast, (laughs) Uh, Che, the Hurricane Cheney, and yes, Pav, you wrote up just a great opening, great title for today's episode, and I think, um, before we get in there, why don't I come with a little anecdote, and maybe you let people know that, you know, if you are used to the Staff Room Podcast, you can expect this, but... If you are new to the Staff Room Podcast, let us know that Pav and I are two, or as we like to say, just two middle school teachers in Toronto that love to reflect, share, connect, and then build our capacities as teachers. And this is our favorite, I don't want to say favorite space, because I'm trying to drop that vernacular, but this is our space uh, to do that.
1: Yeah. And it has been for uh, about a year and a half now. And we're loving every minute of it, just just like when we first started. So we absolutely love this. And yes, we do start our episodes with a little bit of an anecdote to help tell the story of how we got to this conversation. Why have we decided to discuss the learning skills today? And I just want want to preface that learning skills are, are like learning habits that are included in many report cards, uh, that are assessed often not with grades, but maybe like an E for excellent, G for good, S for satisfactory and for needs improvement. At least that's how they are assessed here in Ontario. They may be a little bit different where you are, but this is what we are discussing today. So Che, why don't you give us a little bit of this anecdote, something that brought us to this story here and to this conversation. conversation. And then we'll dive right in.
0: Yeah, certainly the learning skills are certainly something we're going to want to go over because we're going to assume they're not all the same everywhere. Right. And we want to be clear that the learning skills we're familiar with and we talk about in Ontario sort of how they're built, what they're trying to, to connect with. So absolutely that's something we want to draw upon. But anecdote, how did we decide that this was going to be something we were going to talk about? And there's many different layers of what influences us influences us to to talk about certain topics but in our realm of social media and we follow so many for us inspirational thinkers they challenge our thinking they take us in new directions and sanil singh who we have coming up later this week or perhaps you've just listened to him and now we're following up um had this facebook message and it simply said all learning skills in high school should be renamed compliance and obedience mm. and i said "Ooh." Ooh. Mm-hmm. ooh, is what I said. <laughs> and then I proceeded to follow the thread. You know, like every good educator, uh, I, I just, snooped. <laughs> I just uh, snooped. I just looked around. I just around.
1: hung around and uh,
0: crept out. <laughs> that's right. I did, didn't like a single thing. I wanted no one to know I was there, but I wanted to read every word in the thread and where people were going back and forth. And through that dialogue, tried to figure out where I was, what my experiences were with learning skills and and that sort of that it's in it itself wasn't the 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 moment where we said we have to do an episode right away because we weren't ready for it yet. we had to do some of our own learning because that that message was a couple of months ago and then of course, the topic has come up multiple times I couldn't even reference. The, the one time it's been brought up in the Anti-Racist Book book Club with Clinda mm-hmm. Klein and her mm-hmm. multiple guests. Yeah, that's right. This is a talking point we've heard a few times. So it sort of started to shift our mindset. And then it also started to shift the way we, we respond to questions, the way we would articulate things, the way we would reference learning skills. And then finally we referenced it uh, in a quote on the mentory, and it had a live interaction, another uh, voice-aid radio program. And we referenced... Um, that school was a game and the game of compliance. And then I followed it up with like our learning skills, which is just a, a way of making students be compliant. Yeah. And then Jonathan Butler, who we don't know personally, but we know relatively well. We know he's in the Toronto area, uh, won't well, we reference boards? We know he's in a similar board to us. Uh, <laughs> interpret as you must. And um, he commented, you know, well, tell me some more. And we proceeded to, t- to try to tell some more but then how to direct to other places and I think that was the moment we decided it's time for us to do an episode on this so that we can dive a little deeper so we can formulate our own opinions so that we can talk a little bit more if we open up this this talking point now can we talk so Sunil when you make this post again in three weeks we're gonna dive in rather than just watch
1: <laughs> yeah and uh, and I gotta say that it, it hasn't been very long that this, this conversation has been in the forefront of our thinking as well um, the learning skills you know in my in my history as a teacher in my experience as a te- as a teacher have always been uh, an area that i would emphasize and i'm saying that almost um you know i'm like like a uh, kind of reluctantly saying that just because as i've reflected on my own process as i've reflected on the way that i've put emphasis on the learning skills and encourage students to be to be as compliant as possible to, to, you know, to those learnings, try to get those ease because they're going to determine so many of your grades in the future. And, and I'm, and I'm, as I'm thinking back and reflecting on these, these things that I've told my students, I'm, I'm slapping my own wrist at the, at the same time, because how could I have not uh, sort of seen this in the past, you know, how could I have, how come this has become so clear to me now? This is the path of our learning. And, uh, and, and it, you, you said it perfectly, Che, this is, this has come up so many times in the past uh, few months in our learning, uh, the anti-racist educator reads book club with Kalinda Klein. She has had several guests that have, uh, talked about this. I think that Pamela Agawa was one of the first people that I heard talking about, um, the learning skills and how they've really disserviced her own children. And, uh, you know, there, there are some students that are just never going to be able to get those E's. And should we always, should their futures be determined on the fact that, you know, sometimes they're going to be going through school achieving at, at an S level or even at an N level, but it should that determine their success. And, 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 you know, why, why are we putting our students in this predetermined box of specific dimensions, who created that box and why is that box the only thing that's going to get us to success in the future. So it, it I've done a lot of thinking around this. I've done a lot of reflecting and it's something that um, I'm challenging within myself um, every single day and I'm looking at my own space, my own experiences, my own students and, and really looking very closely at how how they are trying to either fit in that box or how they are just they're outgrowing that box and we need to outgrow it as well with them. So, um, that's, that's sort of, that's a great, uh, lead in Che to the conversation. The anecdote is perfect. It, it sort of gives us this outline of how we got here and, and now we'll, we'll get into sort of more about where we want to go with this particular conversation.
0: Firstly, uh, now that I've shared this anecdote, don't block me on social media because you know I'm floating around. (laughs) I already have. (laughs) It's all for positive purposes. Um, Pav, you got me in two spots. I want to come back and just be clear sort of the categories of the learning skills, because we know if you're an Ontario listener, you got it already. But we also know a big percentage of our audience is not in Ontario. So we'll sort of come back to what are these learning skills, these general topics, so people can make their connections. I'm certain they're not exactly the same. I'm certain they're not necessarily emphasized the same way. But I'm also certain that there's likely something that's talked about and, and revered. And I use that word revered on purpose because I had two comments about my sort of um, understanding or my place of using learning skills. Mm-hmm. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring me back to stories and appreciating and having empathy of people's stories, people's realities, because I've always been suspect of learning skills, mm-hmm. but not for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. I am, as I've described before, I consider myself a high-functioning introvert, I'm not-a-very-good-people person. I don't talk with people really well I tend to drift to myself I can I can be very isolated I'm actually quite comfortable in that space and I think of myself in in staff meetings I don't sit with anyone and it's not a distaste for anyone it's my comfort level how am I best going to learn I just want to be by myself I want to be far removed I want to be observing from the distance I want to space out all my stuff so I can move around jot notes down and and I process really I find I process well. And then I will dive into the conversation or interject into a group when I feel I'm ready or I feel like this is my space or my place. And that... That has always for me, felt that our learning skills didn't really honor introverted students, that there was always a pressure to make you extroverted and not necessarily all the way through it. But I always attested that there's more pressure for an introverted student to be extroverted than there's any pressure or may- maybe not any, but I always felt that way that there was very little, if almost no pressure to make an extroverted student introverted. Mm-hmm. that we valued the extroverted skills so much that we, we dishonored introverted students. And, and that's not with every learning skill, but that was always my feeling of learning skills, which is why I always sort of personally questioned it. And when I linked to the our growth, my growth in, in appreciating learning skills now, as I realized I was able to see that it, introverted, extroverted component, because I'm introverted. Mm -hmm. And so then I could advocate for it, and I could push for it. And so it becomes really important when we hear all these other stories, especially from uh, racialized students, racialized teachers that have had other experiences, because they are telling their truths. They're seeing what I saw in introverted. And so I have to make sure I have that emotional intelligence to listen, to appreciate. And so when I was thinking about learning skills, I was always open that there's, there's big gaps in it, but I wasn't as in tune with this compliance. And I'll add a second component, and jump in and cut me off if you want, because um, I'll throw in being the grade A teacher, there's a lot of preparation for high school. Mm-hmm. And previously, because on right now we're streaming, but previously there was always this, are your students going into academic, are they going into applied, are they going into locally developed? How are you going to decide what course level you're going to go into? And there'd be lots of rich conversations, and we'd bring in our guidance specialists, and people would come in, and Mark's were a factor, mm-hmm. and we tried to articulate, we tried to also piece together or represent that the learning skills were also a factor, if not a more important factor, and we placed a lot of collective uh, work on stressing that if students had the right learning skills, they could go into those academic courses, that they would be a good fit, and this this wasn't just the off-the-cuff talking point, this was the system talking point. Right. I'm not trying to blame guidance counselors for saying this was their mindset. No, this, this was the, the mantra being passed down that let's place emphasis on our learning skills. And we can tell our students that if we didn't fixate on our grades, grade eight, and if we fixated on our learning skills and we mastered our learning skills, we could of course be successful. But are we being successful or are we simply playing into the system and trying to get people to comply to a very particular narrative of what a student should be?
1: That is exactly what I was thinking as you was te- as you were telling that story this is this is the system and we're just and and when I when I said you know that the box with the predetermined di- dimensions I am speaking of that system that system is continuously just cycling the same thing over and over again you're you're pushing the same students into the same streams and you're doing that using marks and and these learning skills. And so just before I go into this next point that, that really highlights, uh, what you were talking about there, um, I do want to just go over what those learning skill categories are to people who are listening. So, um, there are six categories that we report on here in Ontario, and those are responsibility, organization, independent work, initiative, collaboration, and self-regulation. So we'll, we'll talk about these kind of intermittently throughout the episode and sort of what our experiences are with them. But, uh, in sort of preparing for this episode, um, I was doing just a little bit of research and came across, uh, this, um, this academic journal. Um, and, uh, it was, hang on, let me find the, the title of it. Um, because it was it was it required me going into a little bit and I have to say that I couldn't actually get access to the the full the full journal, the article. Um, so I, I, I really, I read the abstract (laughs) and then also I found, um, a couple of other articles surrounding and discussing this article. So I think I got the gist of it a little bit, but it, it inherently was talking a lot about bias. And so the title of the, uh, article was learning skills, system equity, and implicit bias within Ontario. And this is by, uh, Parekh, Brown and Zhang in 2018. So if you have access to it, Please send it over to me. Um, but it, this was a really great um, sort of outline of some of, of where the biases come from when it comes to the learning skills. And it was uh, it was really interesting to to take note of this. Ultimately, what they had found was that um, from the reported learning skills marks. The results of the study point to a clear bias in favor of students who identify as white, non-disabled, and whose parents have university education. And so it, it actually broke down who was receiving E's in E for excellent in all of those different categories. And it was found that black students were actually receiving the least amount of E's And uh, white students, particularly female white students, were receiving the most amount of ease. And so... Um, much of those ease that were being assigned to students came from inherent bias from the teachers, because ultimately it's the teachers who are who are giving these grades, and and the tendency was for these uh, predominantly white female educators. I think the statistic was in 2018, 73% of uh, elementary educators are uh, white, and. self-identify as white and female. And so, um, this was very interesting to me because it was, it really highlighted the fact that, okay, well, if, if all of those E's matter in getting into uh, your high school choices of courses, and, uh, we're mostly assigning these E's to white female students, then we have a little bit of a problem that we're, we're, we're streaming our students from a very early age and we're pushing them into those different uh, categories, starting off very early. Pav, and that data,
0: the data, and I think I've looked at a similar graph, but let's, some clarity, or maybe you can give me some clarity. Of those E's, these are students that have very similar marks, correct? Yes. the, The assessments are similar, and yet the learning skills don't, particularly match, although there tends to be a trend of higher learning skills with higher marks. But when you sort of cross-reference that with gender and identity and and, um, culture is that you then you start to see these disproportionate representations. So students with roughly the same marks, we would anticipate based on the fact that certain learning skills dictate certain marks, but that doesn't go across everyone equally. No, that's
1: right. Exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. It is actually true um, that it was for the same, uh, approximately the same uh, grades for all of the subject areas. These students were seeing, we were seeing a discrepancy in the learning skills and the way that they were assessed.
0: And that makes a good connection because in that high school, that jump to high school, we are becoming fixated on those learning skills and it's becoming the talking point but there's the assumption that somehow these are um, i guess a more accurate a more authentic uh predictor of whether a student's going to be successful but ultimately it's really not whether they're going to be a success it's whether are they supported enough in ingrained by the system or do they know how well to play the system mm-hmm. and ultimately i could make sort of a in a further testament is that there's a lot of assumption that everyone comes to school sort of on an equal playing field that in the classroom we can make everything equal and thus students have an equal opportunity to display these learning skills and I think some of the counter arguments become about accountability and responsibility and there's you know there's value in learning to uh, work well in groups and there's value in learning how to communicate with people and there's value in learning how to set goals for yourself and so inherently there are some good points in there. Right. I think there's then this assumption that because we're in the classroom everyone has an equal opportunity to display these skills or that everyone appreciates them uh, on the same level. And so everyone appreciates the the quiet learner or everyone appreciates certain look-fors when working in groups when those aren't shared character traits for all cultures. Right. Um, and so ultimately we, and that comes right back to your demographics of your teachers. If your teachers are predominantly one demographic, they're going to notice, highlight, appreciate skill sets that they've sort of been ingrained and entrenched exactly. with all all their, their days. And so there's students start at a deficit in regards to this space of these learning skills. Um, it reminds me a little bit of growth mindset that I know we want to talk a little bit more about later is that. Not all our students come to school with this positive experience, feeling great about the people around them, feeling positive about everything going around them, that they go into groups and they feel that they'll be listened to and they've they've spent their entire educational career feeling like they're honored. If you've been in a school, and and maybe I'm using the word trauma too aggressively, but maybe you've been traumatized by your educational experience, how do you think that student's going to open up and respond and engage in group work when they've been punished disproportionately for how they engage in group work, per se, or how they monitor their learning, for se, for years and years and years. And so there's, we throw the emotional burden on racialized students to play the game, to pick themselves up, to fulfill these goals, to meet these compliances in order to demonstrate their learning. And without, with basically with just pushing the, the, making them shoulder the burden while alleviating myself from having to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to that emotional intelligence in regards to not in saying students need to know how to manage their behaviors, but in the idea that we all have to appreciate that everyone's bringing emotions and stories to every situation and not everyone feels the same and gets the same feeling about every space they're in in your school. And so when our students are coming, I think Kalinda Klein says this, references all the time. She talks about her son who scored very well. They got a lot of S's as well. That's right, yes. And it's it's deficit, not that they're in a deficit, is that they've come to school with lots of negative interactions. And so it's not, despite all your best efforts in your classroom, it's not an even playing field for all our students. And so it puts all the onus on certain students to catch it up, to make it up on their own. Right. in order to 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 get that supposed e
1: right and then and then we punish them in the process by giving them the ends and then, uh, and then letting, uh, letting them know that this is something that they need to be making up. So as you said, perfectly shouldering the burden of that. Now now I have to bring that up in order for my teacher to see me as somebody who is competent in the classroom space. And so if my teacher doesn't see me as competent, is she going to see um, value in the work that I'm producing in this space? Is she even going to be able to see th- past the fact that uh, that I'm receiving an N in self-regulation or whatever the case might be. And so um I've I've had I've had issues with this. I want to I see that you want to jump in. You're you've got that uh, th- that look so why don't you go in because I know I mentioned self-regulation you, there
0: you said self-regulation and it, it just this this is almost this is the example I couldn't come with three minutes ago yeah. Yeah. we certain students are very easy to self-regulate, because they've never been pushed yeah. they don't come to school and, and deal with racism or systemic inequalities if you can you imagine yeah. coming to school every day and not getting a positive experience and always and always see and know the discrimination against you and then I expect you to self-regulate yourself right. the same way as another student student. That is, it's, it's, it. and this is where you get into the thing is, is really is my learning skill a learning skill to to teach accountability and and make my students better? Or is it really just, I want to make sure you comply. And if you're not going to comply, you're going to have this poor grade. So when you said self-regulation, I said, this is the example I wish I had two minutes ago.
1: (laughs) So that's why we help each other, Che. Um, It it takes me back to a couple of years ago uh, when I first heard about the term global competencies. And there was a a big push a couple of years ago. There still is a big push, but uh, the global competence let me try that again. The global competencies are a uh, another kind of. I don't want to say learning skills, but it's kind of like a revamp. And this is, this is all over the world. They exist, but you know, people kind of adapt them in different ways. And there was this, uh, rumor that was started that the learning skills as they currently are on the report card would eventually be replaced by the global competencies. And so for, uh, for our school board, the global competencies are critical thinking and problem solving, global citizenship and character communication, collaboration and leadership, creativity, inquiry, and entrepreneurship. And so I don't know, I don't know yet if this is a repackaging of the same thing, but, but we're alleviating things like initiative, uh, self-regulation, I think are the ones like an organization responsibility. These are sort of, yes, we want everyone to exhibit these and be accountable, accountable to them for their own personal growth and, And, uh, you know, as we get older, we need to be able to do these things for ourselves. Do we need to be able to do them for other people? I don't know about that. So that's where the whole compliance conversation sort of comes in. And so there's been this push towards the global competencies and many of these, uh, qualities and characteristics we're already encompassing very much. So in our learning in our classroom spaces. So does it fit a little bit better? Perhaps, right? Are there still gaps? Maybe there are. Maybe it ends up being just a repackaging of the learning skills we don't know yet, or even if this is something that is even going to happen. So um, it is something that we've been talking a little bit more about, and I'd like to broaden my learning and my thinking about how uh, this could be more beneficial I right now. I'm seeing that it could potentially be a little bit of a better option, um, and and so it, and it and it works I think a little bit better with the curriculum. I mean, these are things that we're we're trying to the social justice pieces are are something that we are trying to build in our students with the learning that we are providing them anyway. And so it, it has me thinking about the stuff that we're already doing with our students and how we can continue down that path. But um, I just wanted to throw that in there as something that. Perhaps could be a conversation to have in the future.
0: I do recall the Mm -hmm. big push for global competencies. Probably about—I wouldn't say push, because this push is still there. But I do recall the rumors about four years ago where these were all gonna to to vanish and they were gonna be, you know, replaced. Mm -hmm. It it brings you back to the teacher because we we like to think when I come back to that high school transition component, we like to think that the learning skills are the authentic. The authentic gauge of a student's character. And thus, if you have good character, of course, you will be able to ascend to greatness in high school. And it just brought me back to the idea, and I don't think we've quite got to it yet, is just how subjective Mm -hmm. this is in how we mark it. and and how we grade it and how we assess it. Cause you know, we can get fixated on grades and standards and feedback, but there is some level of accountability embedded in there. And there's checkpoints and there's balances and you can reference certain moments where the learning skills, is so subjective. And I think uh, one of the data I found is that there's very little variation in students when they're getting their marks and their learning skills. And so that if they get an S, In responsibility, predominantly, they will score S's all the way across. And so what we're looking for in learning skills, I guess, authentically, is this really explicit, really detailed marks on all these different possibilities within character traits. But what ends up happening is, statistically, is that once a teacher establishes one character trait or one mark, that they just flood those marks through. So it's E's, Mm -hmm. it's S's. It's G's. It reminds me of my middle daughter once, and I'm gonna throw under the bus. She got an E once. I said, "Oh, you got your teacher fooled.
1: <laughs> you got your teacher fooled." And she got Wait, e- she got E's across. Oh, the Oh, across board? the board, across okay. the board. That's no I think way. I remember. I remember this. No way. No way.
0: But I connected that story when the, the when I was reading that up. That predominantly statistically, when a student gets a certain letter, that letter is just going to be flooded all the way across. So how authentic are we really diving into? Or do we quickly make quick assertions that this is an S responsible student, so they're going to be satisfactory pretty much across the board, and we're going to flush it through? And then at the end of the—and I don't even necessarily want to—I do want to say whether that's good or bad, but let's assume that it's neither, But at the end of the road, when we come to getting ready for high school, we place such emphasis on these, then we better have made sure we've played emphasis on it all the way through so that there is real value. And this is not, I haven't yet established my position per se, but regardless, if this is the system that we're working in and we're placing these emphasis that these are the critical tellers of how a student's going to be successful in high school, then we have an obligation to make sure that we're doing it authentically and doing it um, with certain accountability and then bringing in my point from the beginning, our point from the beginning, make sure we're aware not all students are starting at point zero
1: Mm -hmm. and trying
0: to ascend in in, Mm -hmm. in these. And that's even just assuming, that's even just pretending, assuming that there's no compliance at all. Even if you remove the compliance component, there's all kinds of ingrained letdowns and troubles with how we overemphasize the importance of learning skills at one point, but we've really been very casual with them all the way until that point.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to process that, that you're, you're absolutely right. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking about, well, that, that responsibility and onus then really falls very heavily on the grade eight teachers. You know, I'm thinking about when you're doing your learning skills, you're thinking a lot more about the accountability piece, because you know, that your student's future really depends on, uh, the, the E's and the G's and the S's and the N's, whereas, you know, a teacher in grade seven, seven, six, and, and previously, maybe they're not thinking about it as with that weight in mind that, 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 you know, the, the grades that I give and, and that the teacher who's, who's receiving the student next year is going to be receiving them and also taking a look at their previous report cards to know, uh, what the student is, is like in the classroom. And then that implicit bias is already there And so that teacher already has this preconceived notion of what kind of student they are going to be. And then are they doomed from the very start? Do they not even have an opportunity to improve or show growth? Um, You know, like you said, all compliance pieces removed. Do they even have an opportunity to improve themselves? And then this is all not even taking into consideration any other challenges they may be experiencing or... Any accommodations, are we even providing accommodations for learning skills? You know, we put so much weight on the modifications, the accommodations that we're providing for our students uh, academically, but what about when it comes to the learning skills? How are we supporting our students with their organization? or with their, uh, their ability to collaborate with other students or for self-regulation. I know that there are alternative pages in IEPs where, where certain students may need an extra, you know, some supports with that, but how often is that happening? Um, and then are we actually paying close attention to who our students are, where they are coming from, getting to know them and perhaps what the challenges are, or are we just saying, you know what, they're just going to be getting ends across the board, so um, I don't need to worry about this.
0: We know we teach it as we teach curriculum, but, and there is a but, how come we don't necessarily explicitly state they need to be taught if they have so much mm-hmm. value at the right. end? Now, of course, this has slightly changed because COVID-19 one, has really eliminated that infrastructure for this transition. And then also in Ontario, uh, the high school platform has changed. So we're not we're not in a position where we need to direct students or influence students or suggest to students that they need to be going academic, applied, locally developed, although locally developed still is in existence. Um, Those stressors, I don't know if stressors is the right word, but that infrastructure is alleviated at the moment. So students are going to go into high school without having to uh, choose or pick or be guided into where their learning is best uh, situated. But I come back to that other point is, are we explicitly teaching these learning skills the same way we need to explicitly teach emotional intelligence? Mm-hmm. Or are we just relying on, well, if we teach US great curriculum, they'll manifest. I'm not saying they won't. Mm-hmm. But if we know how important they are, uh, quality... I, I'm thinking more about the lines of emotion, emotional intelligence. My 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 value in learning skills wavers. Um, but... We have to make sure we're explicitly teaching this the same way you're talking about the IEP modifications. They're they're like extensions. They're, they become add-ons, the things to look for after. But if this really is valued and, and has so much need, then let's make sure that they're being explicitly taught or found within the curriculum, not just one-off activities or hope to, they'll be connected to in extensions. Do we have expectations for students for how to set goals?
1: Yeah, I, that's a it's a really good question, and I and I wonder if maybe that's something that uh, is starting to um, evolve into something bigger, and so that's why maybe there's been this push towards well, we don't need to explicitly be teaching explicitly be teaching our students a- about learning skills if we can if we can teach all of this through the global competencies and have them thinking critically, then maybe we can we can move past the how to keep a really neat binder and agenda, and.
0: Yes, but. but it's still, there's still an assumption of everyone being at that same place. You know, we talk about these creative thinkers, but not every student feels empowered to be a creative thinker. Right. They haven't all had their thoughts and their feelings honored and valued and celebrated all the way through education. So there's still the same uh, work to get through. You can't... St- Regardless of best intentions, regardless of the great framework, not every student is coming into your learning space with with this zero. But
1: that's not ever going to be the case for anything, Mm. for anything that our students are learning. That's just something that we, that's a pill we need to swallow as teachers. Our students, even if they're all in the same grade and they're all getting the same grades in every subject, are all still coming from different places. Nobody is on the same playing field which is why this entire system of education doesn't work. There shouldn't be grades. And this comes back to the philosophies and Ken Robinson and how we were talking about how why are there grades in the first place? This is just to make everything a little bit neater for everybody and make a little bit more sense and schedule everything. Um, if we were going to pick things apart like that, that's that's ultimately what we come to. Um, even if we're talking about global competency, we're talking about the curriculum specifically. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm currently teaching in a class where I have anywhere from a grade one performing student all the way to a grade seven or eight performing student, the vastness, the amount of work that we have to do to prepare for all of the students in my class. and, And I'm so lucky that we have currently four adult bodies that are able to do this during the day. And so I am very, very, very heavily supported in order to be able to do this. But I'm thinking this is reality. We could do, we could pick apart this, this kind of thing in every single classroom. Everybody has different levels of where they are coming from in terms of emotional intelligence, in terms of their global competencies, in in terms of their learning skills, in terms of academics and curriculum. Um, and, And it's, it's our very, very difficult job to meet all of those needs. And, and many of us take it a lot more seriously than others. And that's just the reality of it. And some of us hold on to that burden a lot more than others. And that's just the reality of it. And um, I think that part of the process of, of our podcast, of our reflections, is to sort of work our way through that. And I think it's very important to do that because we can, little by little, start to come to a few solutions and at least talk about some strategies that just might work.
0: That was fire right there.
1: (laughs) Well, you got me fired up. I don't know what to say.
0: Uh, and I'm not good to speak. You, that, that, that's it. I can end the episode right there. I, I love that passion. You always bring that passion, but in that sort of introverted extrovert. If I bring it back to that, you're not always the the loud vocal one. As you were doing that, I was actually thinking back to you talking about staff meetings where you were afraid to talk or hesitant to speak and not having that booming voice. And that's what jumped into my mind as you were just laying that said. This, this is what you were talking about, mm-hmm. and many and you just delivered the fire right there. Uh, I I love the Ken Robinson. Complaint. Component, that idea that you're right, we're, we just organize to organize. Mm-hmm. Do we tap our learners into passions and, and, and things that allow them to sort of synergize together? And you're right, that sort of the, the differences happen in all our spaces. Just certain spaces, they're, I, they're purposefully identified, where in other ones they want. So when you think about IEPs and grade levels and academic levels, they're, they're identified. And so we're, we're allocated resources and we're allocated time in order to, to support. But in regards to global competencies or learning skills, they're, they're unidentified and they're mm-hmm. often assumed to be fine. And maybe we think this is the equalizer. Maybe right. that's part of it is that we know there's discrepancies here. We know there's challenges here, but perhaps if we focused on learning skills, we can alleviate that pressure because we put them on this even playing field and that's, is maybe the most erroneous statement is thinking we've created something that's an equal playing field when truly it's just as unequal as other spaces, except without the supports and the identification within it that allow us to try to shoulder more of that burden to try to to correct it or put pressure on our systems to change so we don't need to shoulder extra burden to to solve it.
1: Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I mean, this is this is great conversation, and I think that this is a overdue conversation. Perhaps. And um, and it's been a fantastic one. And I think that maybe we need to uh, take a little bit of a commercial break yeah. and then come back with a, a pretty good swag bag to take us out of this one. I
0: think our stance and a swag bag.
1: Yes. And then we wrap sure. up. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds and fun. this
0: episode is brought to you by Glitter! <laughs> because if you're going to make a poster in middle school, it has to have Glitter! Love that commercial. Just getting out some of the glitter out of my hair, my arm. It It does get everywhere. And it stays for weeks and (laughs) weeks and weeks. That's right. But if you want to break a middle schooler's heart, tell him you don't have any more glitter in the art cart. (laughs) What, Mr. Cheney? You want me to make a poster with no glitter? Without glitter? I'll what? need glitter and glue, Mr. Cheney, glitter and glue. <laughs> but you know who dislikes it more than me? The custodians.
1: Oh, my gosh. Because you yeah. can't
0: sweep it up. Nope. If you've got the secret on how to clean up glitter, please.
1: You can't even vacuum it. No. You no. You can't do anything with it. You just have to live with it now.
0: All right, Pat, let's get back to our convo. It's been yeah. a good one.
1: Very good one.
0: Um, and it's good because I know I'm still thinking. Yes. And I know I'm still going to grow. And I know that my stance on this position is still evolving and it's still leaning and still shifting in new directions. And it's open to continual to shift and expand. So really looking forward to any feedback, any comments, any directing to other resources. Because, of course, these episodes aren't the end of the discussion. We always hope it's the beginning of further discussion. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, do you want to drop and sort of give your stance and your take on, on where you feel on this learning skills phenomenon?
1: I think that uh, you and I kind of share uh, some views on this. I just want to um, highlight that this this whole thinking about the learning skills itself uh, is, is relatively new to me because, as I mentioned before, I used to put a lot of weight on the learning skills and sort of encourage my students. And, and, and as I said, at the beginning, I I say this very reluctantly because, um, because I'm now looking back and saying, how could I have done that? And so, you know, it's something that I am continuously, uh, questioning in myself and really taking a look at how much attention I am paying to it. And, um, and so it's very interesting. And we, I do want to also say that before we started recording this episode, we did put out a poll on, on the Staffroom Podcast Twitter handle to see what, uh, what other people thought about, um, about the learning skills and, and their weight in, in terms of the report card. Um, and so it was very interesting to see what other people thought, but, Um, I think that it's a conversation that is probably new to very many people. And, uh, and so this, this conversation here is, um, something that's very authentic. And as always, Che and I don't have a lot of time to compare our notes with each other. And we intentionally don't do that because we like the rich dialogue that comes from that. So please engage with us a little bit in that rich dialogue and let us know what your thoughts are.
0: Pav, I agree. We share very similar stances, very similar evolution, maybe because... The podcast has opened us up to all kinds of vast opportunities for learning. Mm-hmm. And as I talked about at the beginning, my stance on the learning skills per se is they're flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, they certainly have in a systemic bias that everyone comes into learning skills with uh, on an equal playing field. And I certainly subscribe that many of the expectations within them are very colonial in nature and they're very Eurocentric in nature. Yes. And so certain students are going to gravitate and ascend to them uh, quite readily. Um, so I'm comfortable with that. Uh, I'm comfortable that that's my position. Um, I've always been very aware that they've certainly been more serving to extroverted learners and introverted learners. And so I've always had sort of a slight question of their validity But I'm really, but like you, I also, despite questioning them, I openly questioned that component, but I didn't dive deep enough to question more components or got really almost naive that, oh, I found what was wrong. So nothing else could possibly be wrong. I found it. Right. (laughs) Um, And sometimes as a teacher, I remind myself just because, you know, I found something to be wrong. That doesn't mean it's the only time it's ever happened. In fact, it's probably happened many a time. And I just got lucky and happened to discover it this time. And so my stance then becomes to continue to question my bias, my understanding of the world, and understand that people, uh, not everyone has the same understanding, the same truths, the same experiences, uh, the same cultural background that's going to allow them to thrive in that space of learning skills. And so that sort of becomes my stance. And as an extension, I think this sort of morphs into our swag bag, is there's got to be a real desire to, I don't want to say teach learning skills cuz but some of them like I, I want to be really explicit in teaching goal setting but that's an extension of learning skills I get really comfortable with the idea of emotional intelligence and mm-hmm. I think this is where we should probably start a little bit of swag bag what do you yeah, think I think that
1: that's a great idea
0: and the only difference with swag bag and the rest of the show is that we play music
1: that's right we just have music in the background it just
0: allows me to cue it up and then you know for those listeners that play at 3 3 speed so they can hear a little faster, they drop it down because they like the tunes in the background. Yes. <laughs> um, but we think that that emotional intelligence is really the swag bag to maybe shift away, twirl away from fixating on learning skills mm-hmm. or as you twirl away from them, pick the ones that you think are authentic, real, uh, manageable, that do place uh, every student at a, a chance to success, but then also explicitly Teach them, make them part of that curriculum, make them part of teaching, not just an add-on, not just something you're observing, and make sure every student has access to them to be able to invest in them. But of course, you need to question them. They're not all equal. They don't all provide access for all students to display them. And that's why I place that emphasis on really study the emotional intelligence. I don't. I want to say competencies. I don't know if they're technically competencies, but that idea of self-reflection, um, empathy, um, studying to people around you all those components that lead to sort of that self-regulation but not a self-regulation as a means to burden things but so we can all have an appreciation for what everyone's bringing to those learning spaces. Uh, Pav you talked a, a lot about this check your implicit bias the stats the data they'll, they'll infer that we all have our experiences so we tend to honor those experiences or see those experiences or value those experiences more in other people Not necessarily maliciously, it's just there. So check that implicit bias. Realize that our learning skills, they are colonial in nature. They're facilitated to maintain a certain level of organizational competencies, more so than always just elevating our students' growth. And so always keep that in mind. And then uh, take the learning skills, I would say, seriously in the sense that know the ones that you wanna teach explicitly teach. You want to vet them through. You feel you can make them accessible to everyone. I use goal setting as a prime example of that. Um, I think those are some of our swag bags from this conversation, Pav. Rich conversation, not necessarily answers, but our diving into the space has opened us up to further learning, further questioning, but I think we land on the side of our learning skills have systemic issues, They don't, they favor certain students, they do not support our racialized students, racialized community, and we have to make sure that as the teachers and the ones in that space that we are doing our best to disrupt that system of assessment and evaluation, especially if we're leaning so hard on them to tell students where they're going in life.
1: Perfectly stated, Che. And, and I have to agree that this has been a great conversation very early in our learning of how to dismantle the learning skills within the system. And so uh, we welcome all the conversation from listeners and tell us uh, what you think and uh, give us your thoughts and your opinions and, and what your learning is surrounding this topic as well.
0: And if you do like the Staff Room Podcast, I would say rate us and give us a review, but no, share us with a friend share us with a staff member um you know you you can read a thousand great reviews but they're all over the place and as much as we love them we actually love when those of our listeners say hey check them out you know they go with a bunch of other podcasts they'll fill a little hole they'll they'll solve a little niche give them a check out so if you do enjoy what we got to say we'd love if you shared with a friend
1: Absolutely. And if you like the Staff Room Podcast, maybe you will like The Drive as well. We go live. Our broadcast airs on Sunday evenings from 8.30 to uh, 10 p.m. on Sunday nights on Voice Ed Radio. And you can also check us out at cheandpav.com slash
0: radio. And yes, The Drive and The Staff Room Podcast are two different shows
1: (laughs) yes they are (laughs) one of them has much
0: more music and yes and less learning skills everyone (laughs) thank you for joining us for episode 79 of the staff room podcast and please do check us out on chainpath.com